the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City, WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Many couples have conflicts over how to raise their children because they disagree. For example... He may think that you need to spank a child a lot, but she thinks that it's brutal, it's cruel, it's barbaric, so it's a conflict. Or he may be a strict disciplinarian who wants his child to learn order and structure. Maybe he's even from a military background, and this is the way they were in the military, this is the way it's going to be with my child, and therefore he puts a lot of limits on his child, a lot of rules. While she, on the other hand, believes in giving the child a lot of freedom, because she doesn't want to quench his creativity. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio class of the air taught by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Isn't it amazing how many opportunities for conflict come up in our marriages? Over the past three weeks, Pastor Steve has been teaching about money as it relates to our marriage relationships. Obviously, there is a lot of potential for disagreement over money. And it's just as obvious that raising children provokes at least as many arguments as money does. In fact, Pastor Steve couldn't fit his teaching into just one message on this topic of biblical parenting. It took two messages. We will deliver each message in three parts, so we will be getting an in-depth lesson on biblical child rearing. I hope you have a Bible with you so you can follow along. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 in just a few moments. You might even want to take notes. Of course, if you're driving as you listen, we'll gladly excuse you from taking notes or reading. Now here's Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff to begin part one of Whose Job Is It to Raise the Kids? Over the past few weeks, I have had a lot of positive feedback concerning the series on the family. We're calling it the biblical family. And so I want you to know that from my perspective that God is changing the lives of a lot of people And I want you to know that because you need to realize that you are not alone. You are not alone in family problems. And people don't often talk amongst themselves about it, but they will share it with me. And one of the things that that Satan uses in our lives is when we think that we're the only ones going through struggles. We're the only couple that has communication problems. We're the only couple that has... Uh, problems in the area of sexual adjustments and things like that. So you need to realize that you are not alone. Many, many couples have struggles. There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect families. And And nowhere is this more evident than in the area of being a parent. There are no perfect parents and there are no perfect children. We could all say amen to that. It is tough to be a parent. When you're young and without children, it doesn't look so tough. 
But then they come along and you soon realize that after you've had have children for a while that you are no longer an expert in how to raise children. In fact, I used to be an expert. I really used to be an expert on how other people should raise their children until God gave me my own. And uh, I was an expert like uh, a man who I recently heard about who also thought he was an expert. In fact, he got his PhD in child psychology and in connection with his PhD, he had to write a paper which they turned into a book. And the paper was entitled, 10 Definitive Principles for Child Rearing. After he married and been around children for the first time in his life, he changed the title to 10 Principles for Child Rearing. Then after his first child was born, he changed it again to 10 Suggestions for Child Rearing. After three children, he changed it to 10 Questions about Child Rearing. I believe his latest edition is called The Perils and Pitfalls of Parenting. So uh, I understand what this man has gone through, and none of us are experts. Some people think they're experts, but they really haven't been around children very, very long. We're all still learning. We're all still growing. Uh, we want to do the best job that we can in this area that we call parenting. But here's, here, I think, is a key thought. We desire to do the best job we, we can. We want to do it. And even though every couple desires to be the best mom and, and dad that they can possibly be, many couples have conflicts over how to raise their children because they disagree on how to raise their children. For example, he may think that you need to spank a child a lot. And uh, he'll quote a verse from Proverbs about the rod and using it, and this should be frequent, it should be forceful. But she thinks that it's brutal, it's cruel, it's barbaric. So there's a conflict. Or he may be a strict disciplinarian who wants his child to learn order and structure. Uh, maybe he's even from a military background, and this is the way they were in the military, this is the way it's going to be with my child, and therefore he puts a lot of limits on his child, a lot of rules. While she, on the other hand, believes in giving the child a lot of freedom because she doesn't want to quench his creativity. So there's a conflict. Or he may believe that children should work hard and be given chores around the house. That's the way he was raised. That's the way his child is going to be raised. But his wife believes that children have their whole lives to work. Now the time is so short, they ought to just enjoy life and they ought to, they ought to play and just have a great time. There's plenty of years to work. And there are many, many conflicts just like this, many types of, of issues that couples uh, have conflicts over on how to raise their children. And the problem in, in resolving these conflicts is that many parents have never thought through a biblical philosophy of how to raise children. They've never actually thought this whole issue through, and, uh, and therefore what they are doing is based on either, it could be uh, this is the way their parents raised them, and that's their guideline. My parents raised me this way, and it was good enough for my folks, and look at the way I turned out, so I'm going to raise my, my children that way. Or they have acquired their opinions on parenting from observing others, maybe not their parents, but somebody else, or on reading. They've, they've read about this. Uh, they've gotten the latest books, and they know what they're doing. Or they've watched certain television shows, and this is what the experts say to do. Or maybe they don't even know why they do what they do. They just do it because it feels right. And uh, 
in, a, in approaching parenting that way, the problem is you have no goals, you have no strategy, uh, you have no standard to guide you. It's every parent doing what's best in his own eyes, and that's really a problem. But it doesn't have to be this way. That's the good news. It, you, you don't have to lean on your own understanding. You don't have to fly by the seat of your pants. You don't have to follow the advice of infallible men. Why? Because God in His Word has graciously, and in His, in His infallible Word, has graciously told us how to raise children. The basic guidelines are there. And one verse in all the Bible that I think sums up in just a few words what biblical parenting is about is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. So let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I'll read it to you. We're going to study it today. And, and the next time we, we meet to deal with this. Ephesians 6.4 says this. And it's in a section, by the way, on the family. So we're not pulling anything out of context. It's in a section telling wives in chapter 5 their responsibilities. Husbands, their responsibility. Children, their responsibility. And then he tells the fathers, he says in verse 4, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In this one verse, this one marvelous verse, God gives a strategy, God gives a goal, He gives a basic philosophy. In fact, He even tells us what not to do, which is critical. And parents, if you understand the truths of this one verse and apply them to your parenting, then you will be biblical in your parenting. And you will be pleasing to the Lord, and you will be united in raising your children. That's very important. What we want to do this morning is using Ephesians 6.4 as our basis. We want to look at biblical parenting in the form of three questions. Uh, we're only going to ask two this morning, and next time we'll look at the third question. But the first question is, who is responsible for raising children? It's the first question. Who is responsible for raising children? Well, you might think that that's a ridiculous question. Why ask a question like that? Because the answer, you say, is obvious. Parents are responsible to raise children. But I want you to notice Ephesians 6.4 again. Paul doesn't say in parents. He says, and fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers. Why do you suppose that the Apostle Paul said fathers? He didn't say parents. It's very clear in the Greek language. It's not moms and dads. It's not parents. It's fathers do this or don't do this. And I might add that if you look at the context, you'll see that Paul didn't use a generic term. He knew exactly what he was saying. Notice, for example, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. When Paul wanted to use the term parent, he used the term parents. Notice verse 2. Honor your father and mother. When Paul wanted to use the term father and mother, he did that. And so when he comes to chapter 6, verse 4, and he says, and fathers, he has something specific in mind. He's not using a generic term. He has something very specific in mind. He's, he, he carefully chose that word under the control of the Holy Spirit. This is the exact word that God the Spirit wanted to use. Not parents, not moms and dads, not moms, but fathers do not provoke. Now why? Pastor Steve will be back in just a minute to answer that question. Meanwhile, we'd like to take a moment to let you know that you've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. 
Verse-by-verse ministries came about as a result of a desire to share Pastor Steve's teaching with a larger audience. We certainly hope that this radio class helps you deal in a godly way with the challenges of life. If you missed the beginning of class, there's no penalty, as long as you have Internet access. Just direct your web browser to versebyverseradio.org, and you can listen to this message at our website. You might also choose to subscribe to our podcasting service while you're at it. Our web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Now let's get back to class. Pastor Steve is about to explain why the Apostle Paul instructed the fathers, rather than parents in general, to not provoke their children. Was it a slip, or did he mean exactly what he said? Here's Pastor Steve to answer those questions. It it would have seemed more appropriate, quite frankly, if Paul had said, Mothers, mothers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It would have seemed more appropriate to me, and probably to most of us, since mothers traditionally are with children more than the fathers are, Mothers are there when the children get up. They're the ones who usually take care of their breakfast. They're there when they eat. They're there when they send them off to school, when they come home. They fix them dinner. They listen uh, to, their, to, to what's gone on at school. They're generally with them in the evening while dads often have to work. They are the ones who are with the children more uh, times than the fathers. They're the ones who usually end up disciplining the children because they're there more. They're the ones who, who heal their hurts. They're the ones who listen to them. They're the ones who encourage them. They're the ones who have more opportunities in terms of time to influence their children. They're the ones who are just more available than, than the fathers. And yet the Apostle Paul did not say mothers. He said fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now the question is why? Why? Jay Adams, in his excellent book, Christian Living in the Home, says this, and I quote, When Paul speaks to the fathers, he is speaking to the mothers. The reason he addresses the fathers is that what the mothers do, the fathers are responsible for. In addressing the fathers, he is addressing the one in whom God has vested his authority for discipline. The father is the head of the home. The father is the one who ultimately must answer to God for what happens in the home. Now, this is a tremendously significant and helpful truth because many fathers have given all the responsibility for parenting to their wives. They're absentee fathers. And you need to know that this is wrong. This is wrong. In fact, there there are men in the ministry and leadership positions in the church, oftentimes famous men who have had this attitude and have basically said this, I take care of the work of the ministry and my wife takes care of raising the children. That's wrong. That violates this verse. That's just wrong. You see, ministry, dad's ministry is his kids. That ought to be his primary ministry, his wife and his children. And anything else is secondary to that ministry. So what does it mean in a practical sense? And we're trying to be very, very practical throughout this series. What does it mean to, uh, to say fathers are to do this? And where do moms fit in? Where do mothers fit in? Is it just the father, or where does the mother fit in? Well, when you compare Scripture with Scripture about parenting, it becomes obvious that mothers play a vital role in raising their children. We're going to balance this out. For example, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, Solomon says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's 
teaching. So Solomon said, mother's teaching, Proverbs 6, 20, says basically the same thing. My son, observe the commandments of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So God's not left the mothers out. Also, 1 Timothy chapter 5 is a very interesting uh, portion of scripture. The apostle Paul is giving guidelines for when certain widows should be taken care of by the church. There was a list that the early church had. She was called a widow indeed. And uh, not everyone qualified. Godly widows qualified and, and, uh, and those who had no one else to take care of them. And so the apostle gives a list of the guidelines, how you know if you should put a widow on, on the list. And he says in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy 5, 9, let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children. Now that's what I wanted you to see. If she has brought up children. So obviously the apostle understood, the one who said, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. The apostle understood that, that mothers play a vital role if she has brought up children. So there's no, there's no conflict here. Also, we have the examples in the Bible of women who deeply influenced their children for godliness. There was Hannah with Samuel. There was Lois and Eunice with Timothy. And it is true, and it is, a, it is a great truth, the old saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. In fact, that truth is found in 1 Timothy 2.15, which speaks about women raising their children and being preserved through child-rearing, preserved from a, from a second-class uh, citizenship because they uh, were involved vitally in, in the first sin and bringing sin upon the world, but they have the opportunity now to to, to be saved from the stigma of that because they bring children into the world who they can raise for godliness. So the mother is vitally involved in child raising, but let's see how it all fits together. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, the apostle Paul lays down the guidelines for being an elder and a deacon. And what every elder is, what every deacon is, or what they should be, they are models for the rest of the men in the church. And so we find out what men are to be. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, he must be one who manages his household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. So we learn that he's a manager of his household. It means he's a leader, one who, who supervises and manages. And, and verse 5 says the same thing. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? So what he's saying is, if you want to see how a man's going to handle 400 people, see how he handles three or four in his own home. He can't handle four, he can't handle 400. That's basically the thought there. But he is a manager of his household, even as he becomes a manager in the church. And then verse 12, speaking of deacons, let deacons be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. And a household would involve at that point probably slaves and, and servants and people who work for them and, and so forth. So all three verses say that a husband is the manager or leader of his home. Now, everyone knows that a good leader, a good manager, doesn't do everything himself. He delegates responsibility to those who are under him. Others have to help him. He can't do it himself. Well, in the home, if he's a manager of his home, he must get assistance. He must get help. He must get the support of others in order to raise his children. And the one who helps him the most is 
his wife, the mother of his children. In fact, she is said in Genesis chapter 2 to be his helper. Others can help, but no one is a helper like she is a helper. She is to be his helper, and she is to be there and, and assist him greatly. The father can't do it all by himself. He needs the full assistance of his wife. In ancient days, a father could hire a tutor or use a servant in his household to help him in the training of his children. Today, we have uh, uh, Christian teachers in, in school to do that. We have the church. We have Sunday school teachers. We have a youth pastor who can do that. But nobody can help training children like their own mother. And a father can use all of these other resources, but nobody takes the place of his wife. So it's, it's teamwork. But even though there are a number of people on the father's team, and this is what you want to catch, men and women, even though there are a number of team members on that team, he must remain in control and be aware of what's happening in the lives of his children. When I say control, I'm not talking about domineering or dominating. He needs to be aware. He can't hand it all over to his wife and say, you do it all. And I think that's where many fathers are failing miserably, Christian fathers. They haven't a clue as to what's going on in their child's life. Mom knows everything. Mom does everything. Dad doesn't know what's going on or very little of what's going on. They've given everything over to their wives and they don't know what's happening. They don't ask pertinent questions to their children or their wives. They don't spend much time with their children. They just assume it's the sole responsibility of uh, either their wife or the church. The church will do it. Sunday school will teach them. Well, that's not, that's not the case. And they just sort of uh, are absentee fathers. And sometimes moms have the attitude, and it's wrong, back off. Dad, this is my turf. I'm going to take care of everything. Well, that's not right either. It is dad's turf as well, and he is the one who will stand before God someday and give an account of how his children were raised. Absentee fathers, too busy at work, making money to buy things for their kids, but not realizing that the priority in life in terms of training their children is to, is to make an, an imprint of Christ on the lives of his children. He may get them things, but he's not left them a very spiritually rich legacy. So who's responsible for raising children? Fathers are. They don't do it all, but they are to be aware of it. Man, you need to keep in touch with your, with your wife. If you have a, a, a job that uh, you're allowed to make some phone calls during the day, find out what's going on. When you get home at night, ask questions. Be aware. Know what's going on in Sunday school. Know what's going on in church. What are your children being taught? And I don't mean that you just go in there and blast the teacher. I mean, I mean understand that teachers in, in a Christian school uh, and, and the church, they are to be reinforcing what, you, what you're teaching. They don't exist in and of themselves. It is the Father who's responsible. And you need to be aware of, of what's going on. Not demanding, but aware of what's going on. And you need to take the leadership in this role and not just assume it's all happening. You need to ask your children questions. You need to find out who their friends are, what their thinking is like. One of the, uh, one of the important things you can do is, is just when you put your children, when your children go to sleep at night, uh, be there with them on occasion and just talk to them and hear them because those are unguarded moments when they're going to open up to you and you're going to find out a lot about them. 
but some fathers don't know what's going on with their parent with, with their children. They don't know what they're doing in, in school. They don't know who their friends are. They don't know what they're doing, uh, their report card. They don't know what extra activities they're doing. They, they just don't have time for them. You need to make time because the scriptures say, fathers do not, and so forth. So who's responsible for raising children? Yes, moms and dads, but fathers are the ones who God says you are being held accountable. You are the head of the home. And it's your responsibility to make sure that it's done. Well, now we know the answer to the first question Pastor Steve mentioned at the beginning of class. Who is responsible for raising our kids? It's a team effort, isn't it? But as the head of the home, the dad is responsible. And that's quite a responsibility. If you'd like to order a CD of Pastor Steve's message, Biblical Parenting Part 1, please call 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Don't forget that you can listen to today's class again at our website, www.versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We hope you can join us for our next verse-by-verse class. Pastor Steve will take on another important question. What should we not do in raising children? This program is a production of Verse-by-Verse Ministries, a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.